the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. To have faith in God is not a stagnant state. It's a journey. As believers, we should grow in our knowledge of God and His Word. Walk with Alan Cutting and many other believers as we walk the believer's journey. Aloha. And welcome again to The Believer's Journey. I want to thank you so much for joining our program. I want to thank you, uh, everyone who supports us in your prayers, in your giving. I want to thank our sponsors. And uh, we just have done so so well in getting the word out. It's just all because of you. I couldn't do this without everybody's uh, support and prayers. Uh, today is going to be, a, I think, a really neat uh, program. Uh, my guest today is Norm Wakefield. And Norm has been around a while. He uh, writes books, which I think are pretty cool because people tell me to write, and it's, I'm, I'm like, you know, left-handed on a right-handed board. You know, I just can't do it. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, we're going to talk about um, Live to Love. We're going to talk a lot about love uh, during our program. But uh, I want to introduce Norm. Uh, how do you do? Hi. Thank you for having me, Alan. Really appreciate it. So, Norm is the founder of a ministry called Elijah, Elijah, Spirit of Elijah Ministries. Mm-hmm. Okay, and um, by the way, he can take you to the best Mexican restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> that was really a good restaurant. It's one of my, now one I go to. Oh, good. Um, so you've you've served ten years as a pastor, mm-hmm. but in that you were asked to go to or start or begin this Spirit of Elijah Ministries, correct? It kind of just flowed out of that ministry, uh, Alan. As a pastor, my focus was to equip and train the men to be the pastors to their wives and their children. So uh, I just primarily invested my time in the men, and we would meet every... um, well, twice a year for a men's retreat, and we would just seek the Lord as to what He wanted to do in our lives, and then we'd spend the next six months, after, you know, after each one, uh, working that out in our lives with the Lord Jesus. And so, the ministry developed uh, out of that, and somewhere along the line, uh, we first called it Discover Manhood, and uh, then as we prayed about my going out and doing it full-time, um, then the Lord led us to that name, Spirit of Elijah Ministries, because of the passage in Malachi as well as the one in Luke chapter 1. So what is the scope of um, that you have with the Spirit of Elijah Ministries? Well, uh, I, you know, I'm a speaker and an author, so... I go, my plan all along was to go wherever the Lord opens a door. And so that has taken me to 22 different countries and, of course, all around the United States. I speak in at churches to do men's retreats, you know, for churches, father-son events like I'll be doing next weekend in Illinois. Um, I work with various ministries internationally 
for instance, one like Global Challenge Expeditions that's in South Africa or YWAM in Brazil or the YWAM in Russia. The Lord's taken me all over to just encourage men and call them, actually call them out into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay. And um, you also have this other ministry called Live to Love. Okay, so, and I should have asked you this before, how do the two, because I know that they relate somehow, but how do the two <laughs> coordinate? Right, how do they go together? <clears throat> well, Live to Love with Jesus, or Live to Love, which is the latest book that I've written, uh, we decided to brand that one with a separate brand than the Spirit of Elijah Ministries because it's it's much the scope of it's much larger than just men. Mm-hmm. It's for everyone, and it's primarily a discipleship book, as we'll talk about here later. But um, when the first book I wrote was a book called Equip to Love, and it was to equip and train men to love their wives and love their children. And um, it, the subtitle on that was Idolatry-Free Relationships. Well, as we continued through the years you know 20 years later i'm still learning a lot more about love always got room to grow there and i had a heart to focus more on making disciples that wouldn't just be men so we the more we prayed about it the more we thought okay we need to brand this on a separate website because not only that we wanted to give away all the resources and so uh, it is, shall we say, uh, an aspect of the Spirit of Elijah Ministries, you know, international, yet just branded separately okay. as a website. Okay. Um, I know it's, it's interesting. Uh, when, I, uh, when I've when i given talks to men, let's say on Father's Day, or mm-hmm. pastors or missionaries, it's, it's interesting because... Uh, one of the things I, I've taught maybe three different times in different seminar groups uh, let's say for to be fathers what's a good father and I'm really strong in, in saying that if you want to be a good father love your wife sure <laughs> you know that's really the be- beginning I think of becoming a, a great father mm-hmm. what is your opinion oh I totally agree and if you want to be a great husband or a great father love their mother uh, mm-hmm. you know because the children are definitely attached to mom so it's very important. So I totally agree with you. So um, in all of your uh, adventures, mm-hmm. I'm going to call them adventures, um, in, in your ministry, where do you go? When you talk to men, what happens after? What, if I went to one of your seminars mm-hmm. and I listen to you and, and you come home, you go home, obviously, because I'm going to be living in... Canada or Mexico or right. North Carolina or somewhere, right. what, what, what do I do? So during those years that I pastored and I ministered to the men, what we went through uh, became the very first audio-visual resource that we did. It's called Equipping Men, Practical Tools for Life's Issues. It's what God worked out in our lives through those years. Uh, so that resource is available on the Spirit of Elijah Ministries mm-hmm. um, website, spiritofelijahministries.com, spiritofelijah.com. And um, so usually after I go, I will 
of course, invite them to follow up with the Equipping Men series. It's available as audio as well as a visual. And for the church, the men's groups particularly, to follow up over, it's a 20-part series. Each one's about mm, 15 to 20 minutes in length with discussion questions to do for small groups afterwards. So it's a follow-up resource. Then there's another follow-up resource that's a Walking Worthy series of five studies for men. Walking Worthy as first one's on identity. Um, Walking Worthy as a son of God. Walking Worthy as a husband. Walking Worthy as a father. Then Walking Worthy as a provider. And Walking Worthy as a member of the body of Christ. Each one's six weeks long except the one on fatherhood. That's eight weeks. And so there's a number of follow-up resources that they can go through either individually or they can go through it collectively, you know, as a men's group. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's best to go through it with other men so you can sharpen one another. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because some, um, some of the times when I've, I've seen groups uh, where men and possibly women's groups, since I'm not involved with that, but I, I do observe when they go to these conventions or seminars or teachings for a weekend or so, and they come back, everybody's all hyped up. Sure. But there's not a lot of follow-through. Yeah. And what happens is, you know, we're on cloud nine for a short time, and then because there's no real follow-through, it's just like they get back in the same humdrum that they were in before. You know? Easy to do, isn't it? Yeah, so I, I like what you offer, and I think our audience needs to know um, uh, your website just because um, my ministry, my calling is to uh, teach those who are believers, teach those who are mm-hmm. already interested in wanting to know more about Jesus to become closer to Him, to become more like Him, to really teach the body to live as Jesus lived. But I, because I'm in that arena, you know, I don't see a lot of others in that arena. And so you're, you're just like going to be my best friend. You know? <laughs> I would agree with you. We've got just about a, enough. We've got a mission field just even within the church. Everybody wants to save somebody, but then they want to go save other people. And then there's, then there's like, where's the path they walk, you know, and it's even in our churches, you know, uh, they want to give them the sinner's prayer and pray it, and then you can go see the somebody in our counter on, in the lobby and uh, thank you goodbye, mm-hmm. and this is not going to happen. And we just have this milk toast kind of way about Christendom. I totally agree with you. It's kind of an interesting paradigm shift. If you ask most people, so which comes first, evangelism or discipleship? Most would say evangelism, and but if well, but if you read the scriptures, it's actually the opposite. Yeah. Uh, even for the disciples, they were disciples first, then they became believers, and so and at some point you can have actually, as you go through the um, Sermon on the Mount, the way into the kingdom is a way of discipleship. Uh, so, when you're seeking the Lord, that's when you expect Him to show up. Yeah, and and I want to say this. Uh, to all of all of our audience, because I think there's a disconnect when we use the word disciple or discipleship. A lot of people think that a, a disciple 
was only back 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, or discipleship is only for those you know who are in a group of themselves. And really, a disciple is a student or learner of something else. So if you're a disciple of Jesus, if you're a learner or a student of Jesus, you're a disciple. And we all are there. It's true. We all are there. I mean, you know, there, there's, to be far away away for me to become like exactly like Jesus. So I've got a lot more to learn, you know. And uh, as my wife will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that where, for some reason, the church itself, I think, is failing in this area. We need more people to step up in our churches, to step up in, in uh, areas, ministries, where we actually are teaching and training, you know, those who have become believers or those who are serious about following Jesus. I would even go a step further, Alan, on that, that many times when we think of becoming a disciple, we think of becoming a disciple of another person. Um, like, for instance... The Great Commission is really a commission to go make disciples, um, not evangelize, although it's not that evangelism isn't a part of it. But um, it was to go make disciples of Jesus Christ, not necessarily another person. That's why uh, there's it's a huge theme in the Live to Love with Jesus book, which I wanted to really underscore is... The focus of it is intimacy with Jesus. How do you become a disciple of Jesus Christ today? Mm -hmm. Usually we don't think of it that way, that Jesus is discipling, actually is, he's more able to disciple us now by the Spirit than he was when he was in a body. And I think the disciples found that out, of course, after Jesus was resurrected, that they had him by the Spirit 24-7. So that means that Jesus can disciple them through all of their circumstances, all of their relationships. And most people don't think of everything that's happening in their lives is being given them by the Father to make them disciples of Jesus so he can disciple them and show them how he would live, how how he lives and how he wants to express himself, you know, through them. That's so true. I I, I totally agree with that. I was talking to uh, actually our producer earlier. We were um, waiting for you. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, something was brought up and, and that I, that I at least I see all over now uh, is that so many people, they're all everybody's a scholar. Mm. Everybody knows it all. Everybody's always right, and whatever they believe in, they're right and you're wrong, and it's because they've decided that they're it. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's no room for humility. There's no room for growth. There's no room for learning. You know, um, I had a discussion with somebody, well, more than just somebody, one person, but a few people just recently. And it's almost like what they believe from what they have interpreted from the scriptures. Now these interpretations are no longer to interpretations. It, it is what the scriptures mm-hmm. are. I'm like, but that's not what they say. You're interpreting that to become what it is. Right. I don't know. Problematic. It, it is. Um, I had a professor 
at uh, when I when I attended um, Azusa Pacific University, uh, Bruce Belowian. He said to me one time because I, I I came up with this <laughs> tremendous idea about the wedding at Canaan. That uh, the whole idea was Jesus used six pots, which is really the number of man or idea mm-hmm. of man. He put water in there, which was the idea of the law. He he filled it to the brim and he made wine from this which is the idea of grace and so I gave him this whole layout and he goes oh yeah that sounds really cool that could really but but he says but it could be wrong I go what do you mean you just said it it looks like it could work <laughs> but it's it's only an interpretation mm-hmm. you and this is the way he said was you need to be true to the text mm-hmm. and it 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 rung I don't know, it's vibrated with me all the way until today. You know, it just, you know, you need to be true to the text because we take the text, we interpret it, and then we go off on our own stuff. And sometimes we're, we're taken away or we're jumping into something that's sure. not really there. Sure. So that's true. Many of us are familiar with the context is king yeah. uh, principle that to in- interpret a scripture, you keep it in its context. I had I was primarily discipled in the area of scripture interpretation by a man um, who was my mentor and somewhat of a father to me, and he turned me on early on to Martin Lloyd Jones and Stephen Olford, and what I learned from both of those is what's called the line of reason, that the Holy Spirit has a line of reason through every scripture, and our Adventure and discovery is discovering how each word and verse ties to the line of reason. Yeah. If it's off the line of reason, then we're coming up with our own yeah. interpretation. And it's just, it's funny because ever since for many years I attended college, I read um, probably the most prominent and. Um, Hebrew scholar in our day worldwide is probably Walter Kaiser Jr. Mm. And I read a lot of his books through school. I used him and I read them now. He's written like 40 books. I'm like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> but it's interesting for somebody of that caliber. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was the president of a university. I mean, on and on and on. Um, with somebody with that caliber, you would think that the books are going to be hard and dry. Mm. But you know they're not. They're they're if they flow, they're easy to understand. He's easy to easy to understand. It's it's like he really places things in a way that helps us. And so cuz I've read some books that are just like <laughs> I have to reread that sentence again cuz it, it almost didn't make sense or was too deep for me mm-hmm. or something. But it's it's I like it when people can actually they don't have to sit on top of their doctorate but they come down to the people and just say, you know what, this is what we need to look at, A, B, and C, and two and two is four, and make it easy for us. Sure. <laughs> Go that's, ahead. That's, that takes a gift. That's the it gift does. of the Lord to be able to do that. So you have this book. I want to talk about your book a little bit. Okay. I, want, I want to show the, our audience. It's called Live to Love, and um, it's a little over 200 pages. One thing I like in the back, you know, it's really funny because I looked at your back afterwards and your end notes, and, and they're full of scriptures, 
where a lot of people they put in you know well they got this from you know John Smith you know yeah, David right. 1429 on page 24 and, and yours is just full of scriptures full of scriptures and I'm like this is useful good I really like your book a lot I uh, just so you know I do have it on my website if you go to uh, uh, thebelieversjourney.net and you go to books you'll find it there you can click on it and it goes to a website I believe it's on your page yes live to love with jesus.com and the book is available in ebook, audiobook, print yeah. book. There's a study guide. There's uh, video resources. That's a video series. There's a lot of resources there for free. What I what I like about your book, and we're going to talk about this later in our, our program, is is the idea of love and what what we're what it does for us. And one of the things you you talk about is how it frees us. It frees us from idolatry. It frees us from all the things mm-hmm. that keeps us down. Uh, talk about that for a second. Oh, I would love to. So a lot of times we, we try not to do things, you know, that are wrong. And uh, well, maybe I need to back up. Let me back up to a foundational paradigm shift. I think a lot of people, when they first heard about Christ and they trusted in him, their understanding was, okay, now I've trusted Jesus and now I'm going to live for Jesus. However, good that sounds, and in some cases it's right. We are, by living for Jesus, we mean want to live for his glory. Um, But there's another idea of live for Jesus, like now I need to try to be a good Christian. And that was never God's plan. God's plan was that he would live for us. It would be his life living in us. So there's a huge difference between me trying to live for Jesus, you know, and do the right thing and don't do the wrong things, or the life of Christ living in me. And what I found is that I wish I'd have went ahead in the title and put live to love with Jesus because the with Jesus is huge. (laughs) Um, Living to love with Jesus, if that's our purpose in life, it's going to protect us and free us from idolatry. It's going to free us from fear. It's going to free us from um, selfishness. All the... Things we think, oh, I don't want to do that. You know, I shouldn't do that. If I think, well, I have the life of Jesus in me, and he loves my wife. So I'm just going to love my wife with Jesus. And as I relate to her, instead of how do I feel, I'm going to ask, um, I'm going to filter it through what I call Jesus's worldview. And I summarize the worldview of Jesus in these ways because I think this is the way he lived his life then as well as now. And that is that there's only one God from whom everything comes, and he is love. Can you imagine Jesus not believing that? I know. know, You know that's how he lived every single day. So that life is inside of me, and if I want to love my wife or love anyone, the first thing I know is... Alan, you're here in my pathway because the Father put you here, and He is love. So the first thing I know is, okay, my response to you is the same as my response to the Father. I love the Father. 
and I love you because of that. The second truth is that because God is love, he's full and he satisfies our souls. I love the way Piper puts it. God is most glorified when we're most satisfied in him. My version of that is uh, Jesus's love is enough. He's where my fullness comes. So uh, for Jesus, it was my father's love is enough. So he lived every day out of the fullness of the love of his father. For Jesus, it was living to love with his father. For us, it's living to love with Jesus. So Jesus lived out of the satisfaction of his father's love. So he didn't have to get anything from the people that the father put in his path. Instead, he lived and loved with his father. So he would um, first be filled and satisfied in his father's love. And then he was free to give. See, fear and all those things come out of not being full. I'm afraid you're not going to make me feel significant, or I'm afraid you're going to say something's going to hurt my feelings, or I'm afraid um, I won't do the right thing. Or you know, There's a lot of different fears that we have. But when our purpose is to just live to love with Jesus, then we look to Him, to His, who He is and what He is and how He loves, and we get that, of course, from the Scriptures. If I remember right, I think you even point to the fact that we can have fear as an idolatry situation. True. Okay. Yeah. For instance, a lot of people, um, their idol is themselves. If it's not God, themselves, self is going to be the first idol they have. So once self is God and everything's about you, well, then you'll idolize For instance, somebody can actually become a victim and they will idolize being a victim. That becomes their identity. And um, so, yeah, there's all kinds of different ways that can get tweaked and go the wrong direction. So when when we're living to love with Jesus, it frees us from those things. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, The third part of how Jesus, of his worldview is, he knows God's purpose for everything is for him to reveal the Father and prepare for his glory that day, that great day of his glory. For us, it's a little bit of a tweak on that, and that is we know, because it tells the Bible tells us this in Romans 8, 28, 29, that we're being conformed to the image of his Son. So his purpose in everything that's happening, every relationship, every circumstance, is that I can reveal Jesus Christ, the life of Christ. Mm-hmm. So he's not interested in me living for him. He's interested in living for me and expressing himself through me. And that's what that's what frees me. I'm not having to do this for God or do this for Jesus. Yeah, and I, you know, it's interesting because uh, I really like this view because um, one of the things that I, I teach that I really think is is unfortunate. The people, a lot of people, think that we are saved from sin. And that's period. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but you're missing it. We're saved unto life. Yes. We're saved unto fullness in Jesus. And what you're saying and what you write is very, that, it is that totally. Exactly. I mean, if we ask ourselves, I think if we ask ourselves, so what is our purpose in life? What are we here for? Why did he save us? I think the answer is not for our glory. It's for his glory. Exactly. So the only way he gets glory, mm-hmm. at least from my understanding is is if he does it 
like, for instance, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. There's no way you can bear fruit apart from me because any fruit you bear, if it's not me doing it, then I don't get the glory. And if I don't get the glory, then it's wasted. The only way we bear fruit for God is through the life of Jesus Christ, being united with him. So um, that's pretty exciting to me. That makes it an adventure because... I don't know necessarily how Jesus wants to love you today and the people that are listening, but I will find out as he gives me what he yeah. wants me to have to love. And then I, that gives me freedom, great freedom. Yeah. I, and one of the things, too, I, um, in fact, well, I guess you have it right on your, your cover, Experience, Freedom, and Joy in Relationships. Yeah. One of the things I found in your, your book, it really helps you, it helps somebody in their in their striving for Jesus, in your striving for love, does it, it's almost like it reenacts or re restates your relationship with other people. It does gives it a different. Um, it's, it's a paradigm shift. It's a d- totally different view. Yeah. <clears throat> Maybe I can give an example of this. I, this will st- this will always stand out in my mind. I was in Johannesburg, South Africa, and. Um, we had a cancellation in the program or in the schedule for the next day. And the guy that was kind of orchestrating my time there said, well, uh, we've got another opportunity here. We're going to go to a ministry called Brave to Love, and they rescue women from sex trafficking in Johannesburg. And I thought immediately I felt awkward about that. I thought, man. My ministry is primarily a men's ministry. This is a total, you know, deviation from what I'm typically focused on. Um, But I thought, okay, there's one God from whom all things come, and he loves me. So this has come from the Father, and he loves me. And then I've filtered through the next part of my foundation, and that is I have everything I need in Jesus. It doesn't really, isn't about how I perform. I have the life of Jesus in me, and this is an opportunity for Jesus to express his life. So uh, as I was lying there in bed praying about the next day, I, I actually just voiced my awkwardness to the Lord. I said, Lord, I, I really feel awkward about going and meeting these prostitutes that have been saved out of sex trafficking and and with these women who work with women like this. I'm going to probably say something stupid. Or I've never, I just don't know what I'm going to say. I feel really awkward. Alan, I heard this as clear as a bell. I don't think it was audible, (laughs) but it could have been. I don't know. But in my mind, the next thing I heard was, I don't feel awkward. Wow. It was like Jesus responded right there. So, so, Norm, are you going to go do this? I'm not asking you to go do this. I want to go do this because I love those women. Do you want to go love them with me? Well, that uh, a peace immediately flooded my heart not only a peace but an excitement because i thought now this is gonna be fun we're gonna go (laughs) and i'm gonna watch jesus love these women but what a shift from i don't know to wow oh i know is because typically when we're self-centered we're conscious of our our feelings Mm -hmm. and that i feel awkward is my feeling but if you remember what paul said I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet, not I, but Christ lives in me. Whoa. 
there it is. So it's like, okay, I have Jesus living in, in me, and the Father is actually giving these women to Jesus in me because he loves his son and he wants to love these women through his son and me. Yeah. So when we got there, as soon as we walked into the office, I was a, I was just I was watching. I was on the alert. Okay, Jesus, how are you how are you going to love even in the response? What he does with my face, what he does with the women, and immediately it came to me. Learn their names. Take their names down and use their names as soon as you can because these women have been objects and they need to know they're yeah. loved. Well, that was such a simple little thing, Yeah. but that was Jesus. You know, yeah. in that moment, I would not have thought of it, but the Lord That's incredible. Him. You know, it's interesting. I, I tell people a lot that our worst enemy is ourself. Everyone say blame the the devil, you know, and Satan. I mean, no, your worst enemy is you. It's true. And and, uh, the selfishness that we carry, you know, that we don't shed, it's really our worst enemy. It's our biggest. It's it's our hindrance. One of the hindrances to love, you know, one section of the book is just on hindrances Mm -hmm. that uh, living to love frees us from. Yeah. Uh, unbelief, for instance. Idol- unbelief always leads to idolatry. You don't have idolatry without not believing that there's one God from whom all things come and he's love. Well, practically everything. All those three foundational truths. I think most most things lead to idolatry. They do. They really do. It's, it's amazing. Well, so love to life. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Live to love. <laughs> Actually, I love his life. <laughs> that would work, too. <laughs> um. Again, uh, you can you can find it on our website in the book section, or you can find it under the website live to love with com. There you go. And uh, so let's let's move on to our topic, and it's probably use some of the book as well while we're sure. doing this. And we're going to talk about live to love or living to love. Uh, one of the things before I want to start is I think most. I'm probably going to be pretty safe for this. Most. Of those in Christendom, when you talk about uh, commandments of love, everybody thinks about what's in Matthew twenty-two. You know, to love God with all your being, sure. and to love one another, and that your neighbor as yourself. There was something that Jesus did that I think is missed. He, he gives the first commandment about loving God with, with all of your being, and then he says, "And the second is like mm-hmm. the first. And then he tells you the second. I'm like, we're missing that, that that little sentence that Jesus did. The second is like the first. In other words, it's pretty important, you know. And yet we walk around with this halo that we hold on our head, or we walk around with the Bible untucked under our arm, and, and we want to sing the songs of Jesus, but we don't want to take that second commandment like it's as important mm. as the first. I don't know who said it, Alan. I know I'm not the first, uh, but um, I've heard it said that what Jesus came to do is that we, to love God with all of our heart, we love God with all of our hearts by loving our neighbor mm. with Christ or with him. Well, and when you get into First John, 
That's what it says. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's very blunt about he it. Yeah. And that's some of the passages I actually have. It's interesting that, you know, a lot of people are very um, blind to the Old Testament. And because they don't want to hear the word commands or commandments. Mm-hmm. And yet Jesus used the term commandment a lot. And in John 13, 34 and 35, he says, I give you a new commandment sure. that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, he's using the word agape. I notice in your book, you talk about the things I've done. You know, well, you know, I love pie and ice cream in my car and all these things. And my, I love my wife and love Jesus. Those are obviously not the same. But in the Greek, it's not even the same word. Right. Unfortunately, we don't have... The words when we say we love ice cream or we love you know these friends or this and that it's we're talking about a phileo or a emathumia emathumia um, love which is you know kind of a an affectionate love or a lust I like it yeah opposed to someone commanded to do out of our will to give of ourselves which is agapeo agape mm-hmm. which is totally different. I wish we had separate words in our language like they did because we make it yeah. much simpler yeah. to really understand. Well, also, um, I think, I know I had to go through a paradigm shift on that one because there's so much about obedience in the Bible, even in the New Testament. For instance, 1 Peter chapter 1, in his introduction, Peter says, you know, he, he says, writing to all you in Cappadocia and all these different places, Bithynia. And then he says, who have been chosen by God according to the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ. Now most people go, you mean salvation and grace is about obedience? That's exactly what Peter's saying. In fact, at the end of his letter, he says, I've written to you about the true grace of God. And obedience is all the way through there. Yeah. And then you have Jesus saying, a new commandment I give you. Well, I went through a paradigm shift on that one. And here's how I went. I kind of processed this. So did God give his son a commandment? because you know he loves his son, and the answer to that is yes. He gave his commandment to go to earth and lay down his life. He said, no one is going to take it from you. You're going to lay it down of your own will. And in fact, Jesus said, this is what my Father commanded me to do. Well, here's a different paradigm on command. So let's say uh, I'm... Well, let's just take the um, a general, for instance. And he has an assignment. They've got to take that hill over there. And you are a captain of a company. And there's a particular task that has to be accomplished for us to win that hill and get that hill. And so I've got a number of captains I can choose to go take that hill and do that task. But I choose you. And I say, Alan, Captain Cutting, (laughs) I'm commanding you to go take that location on that hill. 
Now, here's what comes with that command. What do you need to get that done? Because with the command comes all the resources at the general's disposal. You need air support. You need ground support. Whatever you need, just ask. Because you're the one I've chosen to go take that hill. Now, the command actually is a way to honor you. Mm -hmm. You should feel honored that of all the captains, I chose you. Secondly, with the command comes the resources and the promise comes with it. Now, what's interesting is when you go take the hill, guess who gets the glory? The general. The the general gets the glory. And so there's a lot of, you know, every illustration breaks down. But if you think about how the father loved the son, he gave the, the son a command to do something that he could not do without him. The son needs the grace of the father and the power of the father to accomplish that task. And he asked the Father for all the resources to do it. And the Father gave it to him. In Hebrews 2.9, it says that he tasted death by the grace of God. And so now that's how the Father loved the Son. He gave him a commandment that he could not do without him for the glory of God. So now let's think about Jesus loving us like the Father loved him. He now says, Norm, I want you to love your wife as Christ loved the church. That's a command, mm-hmm. but it comes with a promise. And that is, he'll give me whatever. He's given me his life. Mm-hmm. So I have the life of Jesus in me to do it. And whenever I love my wife, guess who gets the glory? He gets the glory. Mm-hmm. So actually, Jesus has loved us like the Father has loved him. He's given us a command that we could not fulfill without him. Yeah. And in fulfilling it with him, then he gets the glory and we get the joy. You know, it's interesting on that particular verse in John 13, um, I, I literally was listening to somebody teach that one time and, and they asked a question about, you know, how did God love? And he talked about him going to the cross and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and I, I'm shaking my head. And, I, and finally, I just I sat, stood up. I says, this is wrong. And they look at me. He says, Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet. Yep. He says, love as I have loved you. In other words, mm-hmm. how did he do it? And so then, you know, and, and I've taught this on this program as well as everywhere else I go is, you know, he... He spent time with the, those in his church. He, he healed. Mm-hmm. He fed them. He prayed for them. He ended up just minutes earlier washing their feet, which was a sign of servanthood. So he did these things to love them, and he's saying, "Go out and love in the same way." Just like Paul says in you know to husbands in chapter five, Ephesians, "Love your husbands as Christ loved the church." He's going back to that. Same same thing, you know, and we need to become that which is a servant, you know. And yeah. Jesus was the ultimate uh he gave us he gave us the whole lay down everything for us as an example, perfect example for us to do this. Well, all of those things you just mentioned, they're all true. That's all how he loved them. Or maybe we should say that's 
those were expressions of his love. If I may, follow the line of reason from that John 13 passage, which I think is the how or the way he did it. After he made the commandment, uh, or gave them the commandment, I believe John 14 and 15 is telling them how he has loved them. He's actually, in other words, once he says, okay, love one another as I've loved you, their question would be, how's that going to happen? <laughs> now, how am I going to do that? Just can you kind of give me a little insight on that one? And I think Jesus answers that. And the way he answers it is, do you, if you believe in God, believe also in me. And then he says, I'm going to go to the Father so that you can be where I am and I can be where you are. So that, And the reason that is so important is the next thing he opens up is the line of reason is how he and the Father, if you believe in the Father, believe in me. Because if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The way I have loved you, it's been the Father loving you. Mm-hmm. I fed you because the Father wanted to feed you. I prayed for you and taught you because the Father wanted to teach you and the Father wanted to serve you. The Father wanted to wash your feet. Every time you've seen me do anything, that's been the Father. And that pattern is going to be how you're going to love. You're going to love each other the same way I have loved you, and that is in union with me. Yeah, I've been in union with my Father. Now, I'm going to go to the Father so that I can be in you. I'll send you the Comforter who's going to be me, and he'll be with you forever. And that's how you're going to love um, one another. And even Jesus goes on. It's all, It's like if we're honoring Jesus, we're honoring the Father. True. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, in chapter 14, uh, 15, he says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And... Um, or obey my commandments mm-hmm. is some of the versions out there and 21 is interesting he said in 14 he who has my commands, commandments and keeps them it is he who loves me mm-hmm. it's like he's putting love on the same level of, as obedience yes they are absolutely intertwined I yeah. agree Alan. and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him those are encouraging verses, aren't they? They really are. Oh, my goodness. You know, and I, and I think that, you know, uh, this whole section that Jesus, I call the passion, well, I'm not the only mm-hmm. one, the passion sure. discourses, is phenomenal because this is the time where Jesus sits down with his disciples like nowhere else in the scriptures and he bears out his heart. Mm-hmm. He knows he's going to be arrested. He knows he's going to that cross. He knows he's going to die. Sure. And he lays it all out. And this is the area he's laying it out. And it's like, we need to feed on this because this is Jesus pouring out his soul. This is not a parable where we got to kind of figure it out. This is... These are straight. He's unpacking the marching orders. Yeah, exactly. And what life is going to be like uh, after he's resurrected and has come back to live in us. Yeah. I think it's it's a phenomenal, phenomenal few uh, chapters. It is. It really is. I just think it's really amazing. Um, there's, um, in 15.2, there, there's one, it kind of blends in with the rest, but he says, if you keep my commandments... You will abide in my love, 
just as I have kept the Father's commandments and abide in his love. So it's like it, it, it all comes together as we all work this together. Yeah, as you can see there, what he's saying is, my father and I have been the pattern for you and me. Yeah. As I've abided in the Father, He abides in me. Now I'm going to abide in you. You're going to abide. And um, in the last part of Live to Love, the third section, I unpack what it is to abide because obviously that's the operational uh, part of our relationship with Him. And we have um, we have a blessing in our family, and her name is Amanda Allen, and she is our Down syndrome daughter. She's 40 now. And the day she came, God used Amanda to transform our lives. And we've I've watched her now for 40 years, and she has taught me what abide means. And I think it's the best picture of abide that makes so much sense. Amanda every day receives her life from her mom and me. Whatever we are doing, she does. If we say, okay, let's get up and let's let's go walk, she'll do it. If we say we're having chicken for lunch, then she's fine with that. It, it, I've hardly ever seen her not contented because she's learned to live her life receiving. She knows who she is. She knows where, that we love her and that we're going to care for her. I believe the best word to understand abide is the word receive. If you think about, again, the foundation, Jesus' worldview, there's one God from whom all things come. So what position does that put God in? He's the giver. And what are we? We're the receivers. And that's all we do. We just receive. We receive from the outside, whatever he gives us in life. And we receive from the inside, the love, the life that he's placed inside of us. So if you look through the Gospels and you look at every situation, you'll notice what Jesus does is he simply receives. With total contentment because he believes there's one God from whom all things come and he's love and his Love satisfies his soul. So there's the grounds for contentment. And he knows the purpose behind it is to reveal the Father. So he can just receive it without any consternation. He does it in perfect peace because it's always, 100% of the time, moving toward the end for which he exists. Okay. So my perfect idea of what, what abiding is is to remain. Yeah, it would be the same. Okay. Yeah. So what you're remaining in is in the receiving position. Okay. You're, let me give you an, may I give you an example? That yeah, I think absolutely. this is my favorite one of all the yeah. uh, ones in the gospel. Jesus is having a discussion, first has a discussion with, in Mark chapter 10 with the Pharisees about marriage and divorce. Mm-hmm. Then they go in the house and he's talking with the disciples and explaining things further. And he makes and he makes this comment to them. He says, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, then she commits adultery. And at that very moment, now that's a huge statement right there. I would sure like to hear a lot more on that one. But at that very moment, <clears throat> some parents showed up at the door with children. 
Now, if you were a disciple and you just heard that statement, what would you want to do? You would say, now this is an interruption. I want to hear some more here about what he had to say. That was just a pretty incredible statement. Mm -hmm. So the disciples turned to prevent the parents and the children, but Jesus doesn't. Jesus just simply received what the Father was doing. He knew the Father brought them at exactly that moment. So that means the Father is no longer talking about divorce and remarriage. Now he's he first thought was the God has brought the parents and children, so it's parents and children. But the disciples' reaction also comes from the Father. Their reaction is to try to prevent it. So now Jesus knows, oh, the Father is teaching my disciples about the kingdom first. Because that's the next thing that I receive. First, I receive them. Then I receive their response, oh, they don't understand the kingdom. They don't understand this is my Father that brought them at just this time. So I'm going to just receive from my Father. Then he receives their reaction, which is, of course, trying to prevent the children. And he says to them, permit the children to come to me because the kingdom, the kingdom of my Father, belongs to such as these. Now, how did the children get there? Well, they just simply came because their parents brought them. They just received from their parents. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not the kids that said, hey, let's go over there. Jesus is over there. It's the parents that said, come on, let's go. So they just received what their parents were doing and they come. So Jesus takes that example from the Father, gives it to, in the Father's name, so to speak, to his disciples and says, you can't even get into the kingdom if you don't learn to receive like a child. So he disciples the disciples from the circumstances the Father provides, and then he turns around and blesses the children. Now that entire encounter, what was Jesus' attitude? It was just simply abide, receive. No more words on divorce and remarriage, which we still would like to have a lot more yeah. words on that one. It's like that just, it's just left hanging. But, and that makes me think the real purpose of the passage wasn't about divorce and remarriage. It was about the kingdom. It's about discipleship. It's about abiding. Now, this is what abiding in love looks like. So what did Jesus do? He turned. He loved the disciples. He spoke what was he gave them what was in their highest good, and then he loved the parents and children. You know, it's interesting. It's, it's definitely going to be a passage. I'm going to go home and, and relook at it and study and yeah. see what it how you're saying it because it, it makes a lot of sense. But you can see it in all of all all the way through the gospel. You yeah. just notice whether it's the blind man or the or the lame man. He's watching to see if the father is giving the blind man faith, or giving the lame man faith, or giving the woman trying to touch his garment faith. He's just yeah. looking to see where the father's working, and then he just simply receives it. Yeah. And we can do the same thing because we have the life of Jesus in us, and he still has that attitude. I, I agree. I agree. I wanted to, uh, we have a few minutes left, and I want to uh, mention something that I think is just as important um, about how we love as much as how we don't love. Mm. In 1 John, and, and I tell people that I teach all the time 
Read First John. Such a good letter, isn't it? Read First John. You want to know about love? Read First John. You want to know about community? Read First John. You want to know how to take care of what it means to be part of somebody and, and mm-hmm. work together? Read First John. I mean, and First John is like, and you know what? He says it straight. Black is black and white is white, and there's not a lot of gray in there. He's just like going to tell it to you right like it is. So, um, so I have a lot of scriptures. I'm not going to be able to read all of them, but it says this in First John two, okay? And he he talks about love all the way into the fourth chapter in this way. But in chapter two, verses nine to eleven, he says, "Anyone who claims to be in the light." Okay, but hates his brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone now we're talking he's talking to the church. Yes. That's that's important to understand that. Okay, anyone who loves their brother or sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them that makes them stumble. Okay? But anyone who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because this, the darkness has blinded them. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because um, he talks about what is love and in, in 1 John 3.16. He says it's about laying down your life for right. one another. Right. You know, and in, um, he, in chapter 4, he talks about, you know, uh, if we love one another, God abides in us. He, he even... He even says in there, if we say that we love our brethren, but we really don't love them, that we're deceiving ourselves and God's not in us. That's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? It really is. Then he says, if you hate, then God's not in you and, and you're dead. So he doesn't miss it one way or the other. If you hate God, you're, God's not in you, and you're dead. If you say that you're a believer, and you don't even love—not even hate, but don't love—then you're deceiving yourself, and God's not in you. And I think that that is such a, an important thing because we we shy church Christendom has shied away from teaching this mm-hmm. on a large scale. And, and it's, it's a lot of people. I love Jesus. Can't stand Joe, but I love Jesus. I mean, the, the, the two don't mix, according to the scriptures here. We really have to define love today. We really do. Uh, my, my favorite definition thus far, this is the only way I know to put it, because I may come across a better one. If you got one, I'd love to hear it. It's the sustained direction of the will. So it's a choice mm-hmm. that is sustained. So that tells us this isn't human. The sustained direction of the will toward the highest good of another, no matter what the cost. That's the love of God for us. Of course, we know what the cost was. It was the life of his son. He would would lay it down. And our highest good, what is our highest good? It is to bring glory to God. That's what we were made for. So if we ask ourselves, do I love my brother? Another way to say that is, will you choose for his highest good? No matter what it costs you. Yeah. And will you sustain that? You know, d- that means feelings are not. Well, according to God, they're not there's involved no, here. There's no feelings, yeah. No. And am I loved based on how you make me feel? No. Because there's a whole group of people out there that right. say it's not love unless you make me feel loved. That's 
That's and, not the definition. And then my definition is the giving of yourself to another sure. without expectation of anything in return. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's real simple. Yeah. Um, in First John chapter 2, there's actually three verses here, but I don't know if we have time. I'm going to read the sixth verse. Um, it says, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus mm. walked it, did. Mm-hmm. That almost sums everything up. It does. It's really, you know, if you're interested in that, on my, on my uh, YouTube, you can go down to the description. I'll have all these scriptures, and that scripture, all those verses will be in there. You can look them up. But I think that's important. We need, uh, and your book even points this out, which is good, we need to be imitators of him. You know, we need to become like Jesus. Um, something I was saying earlier, you know, to you is, before we started, is that, you know, a lot of people talk about doing acts of kindness, and that shows love. But if we were to become like Jesus, we would become like God, God is love. And if that's true, then it's not that we do just the acts of love. We actually need to become love. Yes, and if we, and I know we agree on this, we have the life of Jesus in us, which means we have the life of God in us, mm-hmm. and God is love. So what is the life of Jesus going to look like? It's going to look like love. <laughs> That's yeah. what we're going to live. Yeah. Uh, I have a friend that says not just live to love. He says just live love, which is live God. And, and it, be, it, needs to be, it needs to be like second nature, like breathing air. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, that's, that's how it should be, exactly. Well, we are definitely out of time. <laughs> it's been wonderful having you. Really, uh, I encourage you to, to uh, look at this book, purchase it. It's, uh, actually, it's not that expensive. It's not going to cost you $50. It's actually free. So, exactly. On the website, everything is free. All you really ask is that if you try to donate. And, yes, you can give to the ministry. And, and that's great. really, you know, uh, amazing. So you can have a book that's worth more than being free because it really is worth, it's really a worthwhile book. Uh, I really encourage this book to be read and passed around. So, um, but everybody, you have a wonderful day today. You have a wonderful week and aloha. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.